I want to say a few words about the preciousness of the Holy Spirit, the preciousness of the anointing or the preciousness of the Shekhinah, as it's called in Hebrew, meaning a place where God dwells. If we look at Matthew 18, chapter 18 and verse 18, 19 and 20, we can read, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When we are together in his name, he comes with his Shekhinah. He comes to abide in our midst. Together then with God, we can bind on earth and it's bound in heaven. We can loose on earth and it's loosed in heaven. God's arm in the earth is his body. His redeemed body, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And through his body, he works by his spirit. And the only thing that he can do legally is what he has spoken that he can do or that he will do. And before he does anything, he reveals it, the Bible says, through to his prophets, those that would proclaim what God is about to do. He has proclaimed in uh, the Tanakh, the uh, old covenant, the first covenant, we should say, uh, the, what we Christians call the old covenant. It has been revealed there what God was to, about to do and still is about to do. Also in the new covenant, which is a continuation of the first, he has revealed himself. He manifested himself through Yeshua, through Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, he manifested himself in person. He came as a man. And he proved that his word, his law, was good. For those that live by the law or obey the law, shall live by the law, there is life in his word, Psalm 119, we can read that his word, the importance, every verse is about his word, his statutes, his, his commandments. And for a person that embraces his word, there is life. So for a Adam, who broke God's commandment, there was no help, there was no way out, except through the promise that God gave that the, the, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. That is the Savior. That is Yeshua. Is his name. We call him Jesus in English. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Anointed One. Or the Messiah is closer to HaMashiach. Now, the preciousness of that anointing. See, the anointing upon Jesus is what made the difference. He came 
as a man, but until the day he was anointed, at the day he was baptized, the day he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, John exclaimed in, in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. He came as a lamb to take away the sin of the world. But even as he walked the earth, after he was baptized, John could see the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, and that anointing was what changed people's lives. It says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Isaiah 10.27, the yoke shall be destroyed or pulverized by the anointing or the fact. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Anointed, he was known as Jesus the Anointed One. Because it was his anointing, which was the presence, the manifest presence of God, the Father himself, that set people free. Now in the first covenant we read how God's will was that people will be healed, that they will have shalom, they will have peace, fullness, and there would be nothing broken in their lives. Things that are broken. They came in through the curse, the curse of the law. When man broke, the children of Israel, they broke the commandment of God. They refused to obey his commandment. And therefore, they came under the curse. Under the curse, we have the sickness, we have the disease, we have the poverty, we have death and misery. Under the curse, we can read that if we study the word of God in Deuteronomy 28. But there were blessings, much greater blessings, that came by obeying the Word of God. And Jesus came to restore these blessings for the children of Israel first, but also for all nations. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! And the early church, there were only Jews. All the children of Israel, all the children of Jacob, I should say, or of Abraham. Jesus came, he preached to Israel, he preached to the children of Israel. He healed the sick, the children of Israel. He cast out devils among the children of Israel. He preached to the children of Israel. That was the beginning. But then, through Paul, started with Peter, but then through Paul, God reached out to the rest of the nations of the world, to other ethnos, other nations, other cultures. And in the day of Pentecost, as we read about in Acts 2, there were people gathered from all nations, and they heard the languages spoken, not only Hebrew, but they heard other languages about the greatness of God. After that, the Holy Spirit 
Shekhinah had come in to the midst of the people, the 120 that were praying and abiding, waiting for the promise of, of God, waiting for the prophecy of Jesus to be fulfilled, the prophecy that he gave in Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to all the nations. First, in Jerusalem, that's where all of it started, and then it would continue to other nations. And it says in verse 9 or verse 8, a continuation of verse 8, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria or Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Unto all nations. God had promised Abraham, he said, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Not just Israel. God had to start somewhere. So he started with Abraham. And Abraham's seed. And out of Abraham's seed came Jesus. And out of Jesus comes a continuation of Abraham's seed. In the lives of those that receive him by faith. They are then engrafted into Israel and they become part of the blessing of Abraham. And they become the children, if you will, of Abraham as well. And this is a powerful revelation that God is bringing forth today. That the nation of Israel and the church, as we call it, which is the body of Christ, the assembly of the brethren, the congregation of the saints, come together as one against the forces of hell, against Satan, against sin, against sickness and disease, against all the works of the devil, and take back the earth that was given to Adam to rule over. In the last Adam, which is Jesus, all the promises of God are yea and amen. The last Adam has fulfilled the law, and by faith in him we can also fulfill the law, and we can also be the sons and the daughters of the living God. Hallelujah. There is no difference. There is no difference, for all have sinned. There's no difference. The wages of sin is death, it says in Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's the power of God on salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, yes, but also to the Greek. To the Jew first, but also to other nations. To Israel first, but to all the nations of the world. The Shekhinah, or the manifest presence of God, is absolutely crucial. Because without Shekhinah, without the presence of God, we don't have the sick being healed. We don't have miracles being performed. We don't have devils being cast out. Intellectual power has no power in the spirit. Some people have asked me, 
If God loves us so much, why doesn't He just come down and just manifest Himself and speak to us as a man? Well, He did, I say. He did. Jesus did. He was a manifest presence of the Father coming down, speaking to man, starting with Israel, but speaking to man about the Father and making a path back to communication, back to fellowship with the Father. <laughs> we can have fellowship with the Father. We can speak to Him. We can come, like it says in in Hebrews 4.16, we, we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need. We can come with boldness. Why? Because our sins have been forgiven. Our sins were laid upon Jesus. Boldness that is in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians 3.13. Great boldness which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Proverbs 28. Righteous are bold as a lion. God gives us boldness. Why? Because we are freed. We have been freed. And His presence sets us free. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.17, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus made a path, John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We can come to the Father freely and pour out our hearts before Him. So the presence of God is what the devil hates more than anything else. He doesn't really mind religion. He doesn't mind big churches as long as they're powerless. As long as they only have an appearance of godliness, but they don't want the power, which is the Shekhinah, which is the manifest presence of God. God does not abide there. I, wanna, I remember when I first came to the United States and we were invited to come and minister in music primarily in a church where you could actually feel Shekhinah, you could feel the abiding of the Spirit and I remember the Lord led me to share words and when I spoke certain words it was like a electricity in the air Angelic power was being released as God led me to speak what He had me say. This presence of God is imperative. It's imperative. It will not change the spiritual world, big gatherings, even if they call them prayer gatherings, whatever they call them, it doesn't matter. If the presence of God is not involved, it will not make a difference in the spirit. It will not make, have an impact. It will not drive back darkness. We read in Revelations about the candlesticks. And for those who are familiar with the Jewish traditions, know that at Shabbat, on Shabbat, one is supposed to light at the beginning of Shabbat, which is the end of the Friday, at the, at the sunset of Friday night, light candles. And invite angels of peace. Shalom Aleichem is a song that is sung. Inviting the angels of peace. Now the light drives out the darkness. The candle is being lit in order to invite God's presence. And God's presence drives out the darkness. Just like 
John was speaking about the vision and revelation he had in Apocalypse or in the book of Revelations. How the candlestick was taken away. From certain churches they, were, they refused to be corrected. Shekhinah was taken away. The greatest need today in the church world, all over the world, in America, in Europe, anywhere in the world, the greatest need is the presence, manifest presence of God. Especially in these pro, or I should say post-revival nations. They, we have to ask the Lord, believe God, submit ourselves to Him, repent from sin, and invite the presence of God. For He inhabits the praises of Israel, Psalm 22, verse 3. He inhabits, that is Shekhinah. When, God's begin, when God begins to inhabit the area where we are in, physical area we are located and his spiritual presence is manifested in that physical area and he breaks through into the natural area with his manifest presence that's where people who are spiritual beings can feel him and feel his presence that's when the heal, healings and deliverances take place because the presence of God drives out the darkness. See, the answer is not to condemn the darkness. But the answer is to invite the light. The answer to sin is not to rebuke the devil and sin. But is to invite the savior of sin. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followed me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 4.12 he is the light of the world. When we invite him to come with his presence, then the fullness of joy comes. In that presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16:11. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than his brethren. Why? Because he had the oil of gladness. He had the Shekhinah resting upon him. He was anointed with it. Now many that speak, and rightly so, they talk about 1 John 2.27, which says, But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but it's the same anointing teach you to of all things, and it's truth and it's no lie, and even as he hath taught you, shall abide in him. This is talking about this, how the Spirit helps us to abide in Jesus. As branches abiding in the tree. Now he abides in us. And when we open up for him. He comes to abide in us. But I'm talking about his presence. That we can sense. Not only inside of us. But outside of us. I remember when Captain Kuhlman came to Sweden. I was in every meeting. The Shekhinah. The presence of God was there. I could feel it. Many people could feel it. Many people were healed. Many people were blessed. Many people were delivered. Why? Because the abiding presence of God drove out the darkness of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Jesus said, when he came into the synagogue, well, let me read what he first it says in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, glad tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Yes, that's what he says. And then we go to Luke. I cut it a little short there. Luke 4, 18. It says, Jesus quoted when he read from Isaiah. You understand the English is a translation from Hebrew. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight of blind, said, Liberate them bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is why Jesus came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, meaning there is grace. And that grace comes to us through His Word. That Word comes to us and becomes alive to us through His Spirit. Without the Spirit, the church is dead and nothing. I had a dream many years ago that the Lord had come back for His bride. This was in America. And people were confused and wondering, what's going on? All these people disappearing. But then, next Sunday they all went to church and the churches were full. Why were they full? Because there was no presence of God. Those that had the presence of God and were ready, like the Bible, Jesus himself talked about the virgin will oil and those without oil. The ones with oil are the ones that have the Shekhinah, the Holy Spirit. And those without oil, they have the religion. And they are asking the ones that have the oil if they can get some of it. But they say, no, you go and get it yourselves. How many times have people come to me and ask me to bless them? And I say to them, you are blessed. Go for yourself. Go to the Lord and ask Him. He's the source of blessing. I am not. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all, all spiritual blessings in heaven places in Christ Jesus. All spiritual blessings have come through Him. This is the presence of His Spirit, the blessing. And the Shekhinah is the same thing. Shekhinah and the blessing is the same thing. The blessing of Abraham that came on Isaac, that came on the seed of Isaac. First, Isaac, of course, was the seed of Abraham, and Abraham, Isaac's seed. Abraham's seed was Isaac, and Isaac's seed was Jacob. Therefore, we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name became Israel. But Jacob legally did not have the right to the blessing. It was Esau that had the right to the blessing. Esau, however, he despised the blessing, which is the anointing. He despised it. His flesh was more important to him. When he was hungry, to eat was more important to him than the blessing of God. 
So he gave up the blessing to Jacob who appreciated it. Jacob, when the time came for Isaac to go on to his father's, to his father Abraham, to die, then the blessing of Abraham going through Isaac, Jacob was so hungry for it. He was so hungry for it. He risked his life. His mother, Rebekah, wanted Jacob to have the blessing because Esau was a disobedient child. But Jacob, he was hungry for the blessing. He understood the importance of the blessing. He risked his life when he came before Isaac. Because if Isaac had discovered and known that it was not Esau who's legally, who legally had the right of the blessing, the, he had the legal rights to the blessing, the anointing, he would have cursed Jacob. And that would have been a disaster for Jacob. But Jacob, he risked everything, came before Abraham, excuse me, came before Isaac. And he was a little bit confused, Isaac. But Jacob said, no, I am Esau. Although he wasn't. But his hunger was so great. His hunger, his desire for the blessing was greater than even his desire to live. God saw that and blessed Jacob. And Jacob became Israel. And Israel, Jacob, he had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And through the 12 tribes of Israel came Yeshua HaMashiach, who has given the blessing of Abraham to all nations of the world. So is the blessing, is the anointing of importance? How precious is the Shekhinah? Words fail to express how precious it is. But these are a few thoughts that the Lord has put in my heart today to share with you. So ask the Lord with all your heart. Seek with all your heart. Run hard after, as we see in the Songs of Solomon. Run, run hard after Him, after the Holy Spirit. He hides Himself from us. The secrets of God are with those that seek Him. But we have to seek Him with all our hearts. and We have to risk everything and put everything on the altar. Put everything. Nothing must be more important than Shekhinah, the presence, the abiding presence of the living God. May God richly bless you is my prayer. Amen.